in that way in this community. I'm thankful that I got my full, after paying all the money to the government, I got my full substitute teaching license, the three-year license. I'm thankful that I'm going to get a chance to go into the school system. And it's funny because I have this app that tells me, hey, this teacher needs someone this week. And you have days and this. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could go. But I can't. And I want to, but I can't in a lot of ways. <coughs> but I'm thankful for the opportunities that you guys have given me. I'm thankful that you take care of us. And I really couldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. I couldn't. And your love and your care for us means the world. And I'm very grateful for all of you. I'm very thankful for all of you. I hope you understand that. I know it hurts when people leave. It hurts me personally. It hurts because I feel like I must have done something to have brought them here. They were upset that they left for whatever reason it might be. But I'm thankful that I can always say to them that they're always welcome. But it's hard. Because it's interesting to me. I really don't tear down a wall or a fence unless I understand why it was put up. in our lives or walls in our lives to try and keep out all the sin or the bad things that happen in life, you're putting a wall and a fence that God doesn't necessarily put up even himself. And so I am thankful that God will cause us to really question why we have walls. Because we put up walls. We put up walls and fences in our lives. We put it around our houses. We put it around our minds. We put it around our jobs. We put it around our hearts. We put up defenses all the time. And it causes us, and it creates a wall that causes us to not really be thankful for all the things that happen in our lives because we're defensive right off the bat. And we become nervous and scared. And so when we create a wall that's against God, for example, we're not letting God into everything we do. something sentimental to you that you got from somebody, but in reality, is it worth a lot of money to somebody else? Yet you're thankful for it. So you might have the whole world and the kind of possessions that we think are valuable, but in reality, are they? And so are you thankful? Because I think about it this way, in a believer's house, it might be some food on the table. There might be food on your table that you're thankful for, and you pray to God, thank you for this food we're about to eat, because you know where it came from. But it's not really that significant. In fact, food, after a while, if it's not eaten or cooked, 
spot and they can throw it out, right? And so ask yourself the question, do you take things for granted? Or are you truly thankful for the things your Father in Heaven has given you? Because He gives us lots of good. In fact, He gives us every good and every perfect gift comes from Him. comes from above. I readily admit, though, I'm not always thankful for the things I have. I see the problems with the things that I have, as many of us do. Right now, when you get into my car and you start my car, it says, change your oil soon. I'm like, I know. But it just started snowing, and I don't want to change one oil right now. But it says to me in my car, I'm thankful that I have a car with the technology to tell me I have to change my oil. I mean, if I had a Ford, that would never happen.
Saul in David. And David was just a really horrific thing. In fact, this psalm was written because his son wanted to kill him. His own son wanted to murder his father because his father didn't do anything about his daughter being raped by her brother. So understand, David was thankful, even in the midst of all the mishaps that he has. David was thankful that he had someone tell him about the fact that he commits adultery and murders his best friend, and God still forgives him. So David has a mindset of understanding and recognizing that everything he has comes from the Father, the hand and the heart of his Heavenly Father. Do you have that mindset? I was driving yesterday to go pick up something, and I kept saying to myself, wow, there's that car in the ditch. I'm thankful that's not me. I was like, man, and there was no one there, so I was like, whew, thankful they're not there so I don't have to save them. And then I thought to myself, I heard my tire, and I went, I hope my tire doesn't pop. And then I was thankful because, again, my instrument panel said to me, no tire issues, you're good. And I thought, man, thank you, Lord, that I didn't pop the tire and had to change it in the snow. But how thankful are we for everything around us? Do you and I have this kind of mindset when it comes to our lives? Psalm chapter 30. This is the Thanksgiving psalm. How crazy it is that God, I didn't plan for this, guys. I didn't plan that this was going to happen, but it fell exactly on the right day that the Thanksgiving psalm of David happens the week of Thanksgiving. Pretty amazing God that we serve. So he says this, verse 1, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, and His favor is for a lifetime. Let me say that one again. Verse 5, For His anger is but for a moment, but His favor is for a lifetime. something different today. And I know I'm going to put some of you on the spot. I'm going to give you some time now to think about what you're thankful for. And I'm going to let you take some time just to think about what you're thankful for. And then, I think they might get pretty quiet. And I hope our hearts are quiet for a moment. So you can tell them what you're thankful for. So I'm going to 
So I want you guys to take some time. So David is thankful for the fact that he was faithful to God. Again, I told you, he was faithful to son Absalom when he was trying to kill him. stories, the guy who's willing to kiss a woman who looks like she's dead. You think about this for a moment. <laughs> You're a little girl laying there, and I say little because she's 14. Most of the princesses, I don't know if you know this or not, most of the Disney princesses are 14 to 16 years old. So anyway, Prince Charming comes and kisses a girl, and someone who comes to their rescue. We know that life is hard, but when you find someone who cares about you, it's of the utmost importance. David found that in God. Even though David messes up his life, he royally messes up, he found favor in God. He then says this line, his anger tried to fill that hole with food. I did. I tried to fill that hole and that void I felt with food, and I gained a bunch of weight. That's probably it. <laughs> but God saved me. At the age of 18, I was reading the scriptures, and God saved me. I was reading through the book of John, and God saved me with His Son, and things changed. I lost weight. I met my wife, Katie, and then things totally changed because I wasn't drinking anymore. I hadn't touched drugs anymore. And life completely changed for me. And I was completely thankful for all the things that God gave me, including the tough stuff, the hard things. I had many jobs. If you ever want to get to know me, I, I probably have worked that kind of job before. And it's amazing how thankful I am of all the jobs that I worked. One of my most favorite jobs was Fort Gear, of course, was working for a company called Total Golf Incorporated. I could go to every golf course that was created by Arnold Palmer that was managed by this company, and I could go and play all these different golf courses, and I managed golf courses. I love playing golf. We could go up to Traverse City. We could do a bunch of different places. We'd go to uh, Gaylord and all these different places like Trinita, and we could play golf anywhere and everywhere. It was so much fun.
like an A for me is the end. I didn't have to. I mean, he didn't have to. I didn't earn it. He saved me. He came into my life and he saved me. He did it freely and willingly because he laid down his life for me. In fact, listen to this. 1 John 3.16 says this. By this we know love. By this we know love. So when people say to you in the supermarket, or when people say to you in your family, when you're at Thanksgiving dinner, well, how do you know that's not love? Well, what do you mean that's not love? Or how can you tell me that they don't love each other? By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. John 10, 18, 11 through 18 says this, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He was talking to the Jews, now he's talking to us. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, then I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. say to me, well, Pastor Chris, why didn't he come now? I mean, if he came now, he could have died for the whole world, and everyone on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and all these different news organizations would have seen it, and they would have publicized it, and they would have told everyone about it, and the whole world would have known Jesus. You know what? No. He came at the right time. In fact, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6 says this, first of all, I urge you that supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Verse 3, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself up in ransom for all, in which is the testimony given at the proper time. See, Jesus didn't need to come today. He comes through us today. 
his witnesses. We are his church. We are his transformed lives. We and the world gets to see Jesus and what true love is because he came at the proper time and we believe because we have evidence. See, Christianity is an evidential-based faith. It's not a blind faith. We're not just hoping that there is Thor, the son of Odin, or that Odin is going to take us to Valhalla, where it's simply a place of where warriors, the, the hall of slain warriors go. And Ragnarok, the end of the world's going to come. No, we're not listening to myths. We actually have enough evidence to prove that Jesus was who he says he was, did what he said he did, and said what he said he said. What does this do for me if you and Odin's faith becomes a myth? Well, like I said, I'm thankful for all of you here. I'm thankful for my wife and my kids. I'm thankful for the life God has given me and Jesus Christ being my Savior. Am I perfect about it? No way. But am I thankful for all the good times and the bad times? You bet. Am I thankful for growing up the way I did? Yeah. thankful for having parents who truly cared about me. See, back in my day, when, when I did bad in school, my father and my mom would go to the parent-teacher conferences, and they would sit me down with them, and they would have the conference with the teacher, and my dad and my mom would look at me and go, what are you doing? How did you get an E on that test? Now, completely different. How are you giving my child an E? It doesn't really to pass, it doesn't prepare him. He got an E because they earned it. No, no, no. you got to give my kid a better grade than this. That's what's happening in the world today. It's somehow the teacher's fault that our kids aren't working because the parents aren't holding kids to an account anymore. So guess what? I hold my kids to an account. And you need to hold your kids to an account. You need to hold them fast to what they're doing in their lives. You can't just let them get away with for learning to have a very hard work ethic to truly buy into all the jobs that I was ever given because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord helping me through them all. I remember getting my first job that was paid by a government thing, and so I had to pay into taxes, and I thought, what? I got $3.25 an hour for minimum wage, and I was a bagger. And that was when people would walk into the grocery store, and they would hand me their bag of bottles. sticky hair and you had to count them all and then you'd get into a fight with a person I had a, I had 54 bottles, not 53 seriously you gave me your money and then you told me that was fantastic and that's, I mean it was amazing now you have machines in your car rarely do 
seat back because I'm tired. That's one of my first jobs. Then I got a job that I'm thankful for, which, kids, do you even know what a newspaper is? Raise your hand if you know what a newspaper is. Anybody? Oh, you don't know what a newspaper is? How do you guys know? Oh, well, that's not fair. Newspapers. It had a little sack that you put on. It looked like a saddle with a hole in it. People was dropped off at the house at four o'clock in the morning. Father says, "Okay." Because then they would get up, and my brother could answer the door with a newspaper. Then they'd get on a bike, ride my bike around the neighborhood, throwing papers at people's doors, so they could have their papers before they went to work. And then I went to take a shower and then go to school. It was awesome. Sunday paper was even better because it was like this giant thick thing, so you had to do it twice. Snow. I love snow. I love Christmas. I love the idea of having a white Christmas. I think it's awesome. My kids were yesterday out in the fields and they were out in the backyard. Noah's like, Look, it's up to my knee. I think if I go all the way out where Reagan is, it'll be up to my waist. And I'm like, Oh, have fun with that, buddy. I'm going to stay in here and drink my hot cocoa. I love the scenery, I love the way it looks. says this, I hated all my toil. I hated all my toil which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who comes after me. Think about this, guys and gals. How many of you hate your job? This guy, in Ecclesiastes, hated his job because he knew that someone was going to come after him. In fact, verse 19 says this, also is vanity. Verse 20, so I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the work or toil of my labor under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who does not toil for it at all. This is also vanity and great evil. This is the problem with many people in the world today. Many men and women who are in the work world today they get upset because people are going to benefit from your hard work. It's true. It's going to happen. You work all day long, and someone else is going to get the spoils of your hard work. But let me leave you with this, with your thoughts. Good. Good. You may start a company. You may work hard. You may do all the things that are right towards God. But someone else is going to come along.
Jesus. Listen to the end of this. Listen to the end of this. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart which he toiled for you to suffer? For all his days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation. It's costly for him to labor and wait. It causes us an offense. That's what work is. It's an offense to us. Am I wrong? Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toils. This also I saw from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can enjoy or have enjoyment in anything? For to the one who pleases God, he has given him wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he's given him the business of gathering and collecting only to give it to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity. So I'm thankful for people who work hard. Who work hard and who really enjoy their work because we all know that it's horrible out there. And so I'm thankful. No one likes to work. No one likes to work. It's hard. People are hard. And so when we go out to dinner or something, I will tell the waiters, I try to tip really generously, anywhere from 25 to 30 percent, because I understand how hard it is. I had a job working at Carabas as a waiter. Just to try to make ends meet. One weekend I made 600 bucks. And I'm like, wow, 600 dollars in tips. Igor Larianov was in the store that day. He was selling his wine, a bottle of wine. It was called Axel. I sold 60 bottles of his wine. Amazing stuff. And I was thankful for that. All these people, they were promoting it, people having it. And it was like amazing to see. And he came over to me and he signed the bottle for me. And then I put it back in the back and I went to go as I was leaving my ship and it was gone. Someone stole it. I'm like, well, that's okay. I'm thankful for all that God has done for me. No one likes work. And that's the idea here. That's what David is saying. Because here's what he says. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. But in your favor, O Lord, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry. To the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? sackcloth and clothe me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I give thanks to you forever. That's what thanksgiving is. Realizing in the midst of our life that we can truly be thankful for everything. So, I want to pass around a microphone. I want to give some of you people a chance to say what you're thankful for. Do you think you can do that for me? Tell me what you're thankful for. Can I use this one? Golden front rims, ruddy old pale yellow buttons. Can I go through that one? Perfect. Thanks. Okay. Whenever you're ready, 
some of the stuff you guys are thankful for so when I pray at the end here, I can pray for your thankfulness. Anybody? Go ahead, Joel, right back there. Come on, Pete. There you go. Good job. So I, I don't know. I don't know what you
Super Trooper football. <laughs> You're a stinker. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. This is going to be a great day for Bobby Bowman. That is going to be a very bad day. You have a situation where we've got 82 years still to play. That's not bad. My father's still buying me.
so thankful for this year end that I uplifted her her mate girl with Ashley. And just it's just a piece of God that I am thankful for.
thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you for the families that you've given us. I thank you for the, the Sunday school teachers who have taught us who you are and who we are in Christ. I thank you for Jesus Christ, our friends, our family, our houses. I thank you that we have people that care for us and that love us. That many of us here have had uh, adoptive parents that want to be with us. Lord, we're thankful for our jobs. Many of us know our jobs are hard, but we're very thankful for it. We're thankful for our loved ones who are able to live with us and care with, take care for us and we care for them. As the saying goes, you're once an adult but twice a child. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be grateful and thankful this holiday season, this holy day season, and be thankful for all that you do for us. Lord, I pray and thank you for all those who use their time, their talents, and their treasures to take care of your church here at Bowie. Help us to do it.